Well, today we're continuing our message series called Bondservant. Every believer is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. We, we are to serve him as our master, as our Lord. In other words, a bondservant serves their master throughout life. They believe in their master throughout life. They're committed to serving him all the days of our lives. Romans 10.9, and I encourage you to pull out uh, the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has an outline there, and the verse is written out. I encourage you to take a look at that. You can take some notes during the service. On the back of the page is a study guide that you can do on your own to answer some questions and dig in a little deeper into the message. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, in the Greek, the word Lord is the word kurios. It means master, the master of a slave. And so when you are saying, as a believer, Jesus is my Lord, we're saying, Jesus is my master. I'm his slave. I'm his bondservant. And so to be saved, you must confess that Jesus is Lord or master. Secondly, you must believe in your heart the miracle of the resurrection, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and three days later, God raised him from the dead. It's a miracle. But we have to believe in that miracle. Some people say, I don't believe in miracles. Uh, well, you have to believe in that miracle because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, what's that mean? He's still dead. If he's still dead, he can't save anybody. But Jesus was raised from the dead. Many people saw him. He now ascended into heaven and we continue to serve him. Now today we're going to look at another metaphor for how a bondservant lives their lives. We're looking at these in this series, different examples, different metaphors of how a bondservant should live their life for Jesus Christ. The message today is called Run the Race. This metaphor is used repeatedly throughout Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testaments. The life of a believer is like running a race. It's something just about everybody can relate to. Either you've run in some races in the past, a lot of you here are running in races right now, and some of you watch races. That's okay. We all know what a race is, okay? Whether you've done it in the past and you don't do it anymore, you're doing it now, or you just like to watch other people run. Real athletes in a race, they run to finish the race and receive a prize at the end. And so... Nobody likes to run a race and have to drop out. Am I right about that? Nobody likes to have to do that. Why would somebody drop out of a race? Well, there could be a number of reasons. First of all, a person might not be trained properly, and the race was just too much for them, and they just can't finish the race. A runner may have an injury as they're running that prevents them from completing the race. The runner may simply not have the mental focus and it gets kind of hard after a while, and they just give up. Or finally, the runner may be disqualified for breaking the race's rules, and they would not finish or receive the prize. So regardless of the reason, the runner who quits, he doesn't finish, he doesn't receive the prize at the end of the race. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, 
And not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. And so in these verses, the Apostle Paul writes about running the race. He says here, he writes this passage near the end of his life. And he says, I have finished the race. I've kept the course. I've kept the faith. And he's looking forward to a prize. That he's going to be rewarded to him, the crown of righteousness. And this crown will be awarded not just to Apostle Paul, but to all believers. To each one of us here today who is a true believer in Jesus Christ. And that crown of righteousness represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we will receive in full on Judgment Day. It symbolizes eternal life that every believer who finishes the race will receive. I'd like us to watch a, a short video called Run for the Prize. So as believers, we mustn't just talk about running the race. We actually have to run it. And we run it for the prize. So let's see what the Bible has to say about running the race, what it's all about. We're going to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And as we run the race, we're going to see how this ties in in a minute, we need to win as many as possible. Verse 19, Paul writes, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Now, Paul had been talking about himself as a slave or bondservant of Jesus Christ. And here he says, I make myself a slave to everyone. And what does that mean? It means that Paul was determined, even though he was free in Jesus Christ, Jesus had set him free from slavery to sin, that he was free not to do just as he pleased, but he was free to serve other people. He was free to be a servant. And why did he do it? In order to win or save as many as possible. And so Paul's priorities in life as he ran this race of life were to win others for Jesus. Now he was aware that not everyone you talk to about Jesus, not everyone that you witness to will become a believer. That would be an unrealistic goal. He says, I make it my goal to win as many as possible, to bring as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. That is why we're here on this earth, to recruit as many other runners into the race as we can. If we're running the race, we want other runners in the race with us. It's an important part of running the race as a believer. In case you're wondering, well, this is the Apostle Paul. I'm not an apostle. He was somebody who saw Jesus Christ in a vision. I mean, how does this apply to me? Well, Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow Christ. Apostle Paul was a good example of someone who followed Christ with everything they had, someone who ran the race well and finished the race. And we are to follow his example as he followed Christ. And so each of us should have a goal in our minds, each and every day. God, help me to do whatever I can today to win as many as possible, to move people closer to Jesus Christ. How can we do that? Well, we deny ourselves for other people's sake. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those without 
those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And what is Paul really saying here? He's saying that he was denying what he wanted to do in order to help other people. I'm denying what I want to do. I'm denying to live life the way I feel I should live it to help others, whether they're Jews, whether they're not Jews, whether they're under the law, whether they're weak or whoever they are. And if you think about it, what Paul was saying is, I'm really following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was in heaven in a glorious place without sin, a perfectly holy place, and he chose to enter into this world and become a human being. Still fully God, but fully human as well. He came to invade this earth and become one of us. And why did he do it? He came to this earth to seek and to save the lost, that he might win us into a relationship with his Father. And so in the same way, without compromising his beliefs, Paul lived and presented the gospel in a way that was understandable, in a way that was appealing to different types of people. And he summarizes his goal as using all possible means to save others. Verse 22, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. You might want to circle the word all in these verses. How many times does it occur? Four times. Four times we are to have an all-encompassing passion to save other people. He became all things to all men so that by all possible means we might save others. To forego our own comfort, to forego our own pleasure, to share the truth with people who are not yet believers. Now, is there just one way to do this? No, there are many, many different ways. God uses all kinds of means to bring people to salvation. And we must be willing to let God use us in different ways to reach people who are far from Him. And our efforts to save others are done for the sake of the gospel. That's what Jesus died for. To bring us good news that we can be forgiven and that we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice the last phrase in the verse. It says that I might share in the gospel's blessings. And so the blessings of the gospel are reserved for those who have embraced the gospel for themselves and they share it with other people. In fact, if you embrace the gospel for yourself, you have to share it with others because it's, it's good news. It's the most wonderful thing that's happened to us, those of us who are believers, and we want to share it with others with God's help. And so the blessings of the gospel come to those whose goal in life is to win as many as possible. In 2012, there was a marathon in London and there were over 37,000 runners who competed in this marathon. The winner was a Kenyan named Wilson Kipsang. He finished in two hours, four minutes, and 44 seconds. That's pretty, is that pretty good? I think that's pretty good, right? Um, <clears throat> that's about what I do a 5K in, so... He finished in this two hours, four minutes, 44 seconds. There was another runner in the race who finished the race a little longer than that. It took them six and a half hours. 
and I want to talk about her today. Her name was Simone Clark. Simone was an epileptic. She suffered about four seizures a day on average. But she was a runner. She liked to run. And she wanted to run in this London Marathon. And so she had a friend named Tally Hall. And she said, Tally, will you help me train and, and accompany me in this marathon? And so Tally agreed to help her. And so they trained together and they started the London Marathon together. The first seven miles went well, everything went as planned, but in mile eight, Simone had her first seizure. She collapsed and Tally caught her before she hit the ground and she was unconscious for about 30 to 60 seconds and then she woke up, Tally helped her get on the feet again and she began running. Over the next 18 miles, Simone had 19 more seizures. Each time, Tally protected her as she collapsed, helped her back up, got on her feet again, and she kept on running. And at six and a half hours, Simone and Tally crossed the finish line together. Tally could have finished the race with a far better time alone, and yet she chose to help her friend. She denied her own desires so she could help Simone finish the race. And so Tally entered into Simone's world, a world that was very different than hers, in order to use all possible means to, to help Simone keep going and to finish the course. In the same way, you and I are called to enter into the lives of other people. We're just not running the race for ourselves. We're called to enter into the lives of those who are perhaps not even in the race. Invite them into the race. Or those who are struggling and can't do it by themselves, who need help. So I'd like to ask you a question this morning. Who are you working to get into the race for Jesus? Who are you working with to get into the race? Somebody who's not in the race. Or who are you helping stay in the race? Perhaps you have somebody who's, you know, who's struggling and they can't do it by themselves, walking alongside them, running alongside them. Ask God to help you do whatever it takes to win as many as possible for Jesus. Now let's talk about running the race ourselves. We must run to get the prize. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And so in a race in London, the London Marathon, there were 37,000 runners, but only one got the prize at the end. And the runner who wins runs with everything they have in order to win the prize at the end, to finish and win. And as believers, we are by faith in God in his race for life. And we're to run that race, the race of life to finish. And we are to run with the intensity of somebody running to win the prize. In the race of life, there are many who aren't even in the race. Others have started the race, but they've veered off course. Some have simply dropped out. So how can we run to get the prize? We're to commit ourselves to strict training. Verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do, it to get it a, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so an athlete has a, a training regimen that they, 
that they go through before they enter the race. They undergo strict training so that they can do their very best to get a good time and to win the prize. Strict training necess necessitates self-control, eating right, undergoing various training disciplines to strengthen the appropriate muscles to gain endurance that is needed for the race. In the same way in the Christian life, we as believers must be committed to strict training so that we can finish the race of life and do our very best to get the prize. Now, marathon runners, some of you here are marathon runners, you could list off all the training practices that you have to do to, to, uh, to finish a marathon and do it in good time. As believers, we also have a set of training practices, disciplines that will enable us to run the spiritual race of life as well. Strict training consists of two things. Number one, it consists of things we have to avoid. If you're training for a marathon, there's things you, you shouldn't do associated with junk food and different things like that, right? Am I right? Uh, there's things you should do, things to avoid, things to practice. For the believer, we must avoid the sins the Bible talks of, warns us about. We need to avoid those things because they're going to cause us to veer off course. We avoid certain things. If we become aware of a sin, something we should have avoided, we didn't, we repent, ask God to forgive us, and we get back on track. We back, get back on the course. What are the spiritual disciplines a believer should utilize? Well, there's all kinds of things. I mean, the training manual is quite comprehensive. That's the Bible. is our training manual for the race of life. But here are some basic ones. We work out with fellow believers on Sunday mornings. We learn some of the rules. We learn some of the training practices, some of the disciplines together. We engage with our teammates in small groups during the week. And we encourage one another. And we see how others are doing in the race of life. We work out by ourselves. We read the Bible and we pray daily. We practice the disciplines of serving in ministry, disciplines of regular giving. We recruit new runners for the race. We invite others to participate in the race by inviting them to learn about Jesus Christ, inviting them to church, sharing the gospel with them. And there's much, much more than that, but those are some of the basics of the disciplines that each believer commits themselves to as they run this race of life. We make wise use of our time Verse 26, therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Now some people go through life aimlessly. They waste their time on, I'm being unkind, but nonsense. Uh, they waste their time on entertainment and things that have no eternal purpose. And God's word says we're not to run or live aimlessly. We are to Run with purpose. Uses another analogy of boxing. You don't just box and hit in the air. You, if you're boxing an opponent, you want your blow to land. You aim your blows. And as believers, then, our whole lives need to be lived with purpose, with aim, making wise use of our time. As you get a little older, when you're young, you don't think like this, but as you get older, you begin to realize your life has so many years. 
Your life has so many days and so many minutes. And that's all you get. And you don't know how long it is going to be. But it's not infinite. It's a limited amount of time that God has given to us. And the gift of time is a gift. It's a gift that we are to use for God. Every minute that God gives us is to be used for Him and His purposes, making wise use of our time as we run the race and we invite other people to run with us. We exercise self-discipline to avoid disqualification. Verse 27, Paul says, No, I don't run aimlessly. I, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so rather than running aimlessly, Paul exercises self-discipline in the race of life. Now, some people misinterpret this verse. It doesn't mean Paul is beating himself, literally, beating his body as some other religions, they whip themselves. This is not what this is talking about at all. He's exercising self-control over his body. Now, this January, I decided to stop just doing the treadmill and actually run. You know, it's harder to just run than walk on this treadmill. And when I started to run, I wanted to quit. It kind of hurt. You know, not really bad, but it wasn't like real comfortable. My legs kind of hurt and I was breathing kind of fast. And like, why am I doing this? I don't have to do this. Nobody's making me do this. But I kept on. I'm still trying to keep on. They're asking me to run a marathon. It's like, it's just, I'm working on a few miles right now. But rather than quitting, and it's the same way in the race of life, sometimes we just want to quit. We just want to get off the track. But God says, keep on going. Don't quit. You got to keep on running in order to finish the race of life. A race has a certain set of rules. And we need to follow those rules or we're going to be disqualified. And if we're disqualified, we won't have a chance to finish and receive the prize. Even Paul, the great apostle, he knew he had started the race well. But it didn't mean that he should coast to the finish line. He needed to exercise self-discipline. He needed to resist temptations to get off course. Because if he would have, it would have resulted in disqualification and he wouldn't receive the prize, the crown of righteousness. So we run to get the prize. There was a man named Charles Templeton who became a believer at the age of 18. He was zealous for the gospel and he began to preach the gospel to large crowds. Many were saved through his ministry. He started a church which grew rapidly to more than a thousand people. He became friends with Billy Graham. Anybody ever heard of him? And he carried out great evangelistic crusades with Billy in Europe. Many people thought he would be a greater evangelist than Billy. So great was his ability. So great was his skill. So great was his passion for the gospel. And yet somehow, some way, Charles Templeton began to doubt the truth of the Bible. He began to doubt his own faith. He spoke to Billy Graham at, at length. He attempted to influence Billy. 
away from his calling, away from his faith, but Billy resisted. And after many years, Charles Templeton renounced his faith completely. And a few years before he died, he wrote his final book. His first books were about Jesus. His first books were about being a believer, walking with God. The title of his last book was Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Templeton was interviewed by Lee Strobel for his book, The Case for Faith or Case for Christ? I forget. A Case for Faith, shortly before he died. And he said that he believed Jesus lived. He believed Jesus was a historical figure, but he just couldn't believe that Jesus was God. And he said, I quote, Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. He's the most important human being who has ever existed. And if I may put it this way, I miss him. And then he began to weep. Charles Templeton is the sad story of somebody who began the race and failed to finish. He got off course. He didn't receive the prize. And so we must run to get the race and never give up. Today, if you're a believer, you're in the race. Part of being in the race is to recruit as many people as possible, as many runners as you can, to win as many as possible possible, and then run to get the prize. Run hard, train well, exercise self-discipline, finish well, because only those who finish receive the prize, the crown of righteousness. This morning, if you're not sure you're in the race, or maybe you know you're not in the race, here's how to get in the race. We're going to pray a simple prayer in which you give your life to Jesus as your Lord, as your Master, and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now, and we're going to pray. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you don't feel like you're in the race, or perhaps you were in the race and you've slowed down or you know you've veered off course, I'd encourage you to recommit your life to Jesus Christ with this prayer. Say something like this in your own mind. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I have been running the race of life for myself and not for you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I commit my life to serving him as my Lord and Savior. Give me the strength, give me the endurance, give me the perseverance to run the race with you all the days of my life. And for those of us who are already believers, let's pray for God to help us in this race. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for another runner in the race who got us into the race. We thank you for somebody somewhere who told us about Jesus. Help us to bring as many runners into the race with us as possible. Show each one of us, show our church, how to use all possible means to 
save others in a world in which many reject you. May we deny our own wants, our own desires, our own feelings, and commit our time and resources to winning as many people as possible for you. Help that to be the goal of focus of our lives. Show us how to run to get the prize. Encourage those here today who are weary and help them to keep on running. Heal those who have injuries that are making it difficult for them to run the race and make them whole. And teach us how to commit ourselves to you and to your strict training that we might be prepared for whatever is going to happen in this race. Forgive us for the times, God, when we've broken the rules. May we get back on track. May we exercise the self-discipline that we need to finish the race. And finally, Jesus, we thank you that you've run the race before us. And you ran it perfectly. May we follow your lead through life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment or recommitment of your life to Jesus Christ this morning, I'd like to ask you to check a box on the back of your Connect card so we can pray for you. We also have a New Believer's New Testament for you on the table in the corner. I encourage you to pick one up, read it every day. It's your training manual for the race of life. And it's something you need to master. We're going to close with a song, O God of Mine. And we'd like to invite you to stand as we sing our last song. At the end of the service, my wife Carol and I, as well as Calvin, will be available for prayer. Whatever your need in life is, we encourage you to come forward for prayer. We'd be happy to pray with you. Or perhaps you have in the past, but you drifted away, and you know that you haven't been following the leading of the Spirit. So I'd encourage you today, if either of those cases are true, to pray along with me in your own mind and commit your life to Jesus Christ. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I haven't been following you as my master. I've, I've just been doing whatever I felt like doing. And I realize today that it is sin. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life through your spirit. I commit myself to following you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you're alive today. And I commit my life to following you. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would help us to walk with the Spirit. Father, today, we thank you for your word, God, that you've taught us today and that you're training us, God, to live the life that you've created us to live. Help us to live our lives by the power of the Spirit. Help us to have ears to hear your leading each and every day. Forgive us, God, for the times that we've yielded to the desires and temptations of our sinful nature. I thank you, God, that as we continue to grow, as we continue to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, that the fruit of the Spirit grows in us. Help each of us, God, to make a commitment to praying for our city over the next 40 days. 
And we believe, God, that as we do that, you are going to accomplish things in our lives, in our church, and in our city that wouldn't otherwise be accomplished. And as we pray, God, strengthen us and open our eyes to see what each of us can do to make a difference in this city for Jesus Christ. Help us to stand tall in letting our light shine and proclaiming the truth of your word in a society that no longer values the truth of the Bible. We pray, God, here that everyone who hasn't yet been baptized would have the courage to take that step of faith and to follow your command and grow in you as they do. And we pray, God, that the witness of Life Church would continue to grow as each of us follows Jesus and that our lights together would be a blazing torch in this area that more people might see and be drawn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.